Can y'all track with me? Come on, say Jeroboam. And then say, let Baal contend for himself. One more time. Say Jeroboam. And then let Baal contend for himself. I'm having a Derek moment. And here's what a Derek moment is. When you kind of <laughs> spend time in the presence of God and you get up here. I don't know what I'm going to say, y'all. I, I can mess with him like that. Leave me alone, okay? We can do that. Um, but... Yeah, like I'm limping. That's, that's what Derek does. That the spirit is so heavy on you, I can honestly say I don't know what I'm going to say. I know what I want to say. Um, it's not I have prepared. I just, you know what I mean? I really don't know. You, you know that is. When you're just in the spirit of God, you just want God to have his way. Karen said, I've been praying for you all week. I said, I needed it. Um, I don't know. We'll just begin. All right? Let's just begin and see what God says. Um, go with me to Judges. We're, in, we're dealing with this series. Judges chapter 6, and today I need to share two things with you um, based on the part two of the series. Elsie, thank you so much, man. I just really appreciate your spirit, man. You have a beautiful spirit. Show that brother some love. Yeah, 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 yeah. He just has such a heart for worship and a heart for God. Before I read, let me review. Um, let me review yesterday, not yesterday, last Sunday, um, and if you missed this past Wednesday's Bible study, it was really just really, really exciting to be able to relive the sermon, but I want to review by this. Can you guys put um, the first slide on the screen? Just kind of want to walk through that and review. Uh, here's the big idea of what I want y'all to take away, is that God will show up and empower you to deal with every oppressor in your life that impedes your service to him, Okay. Um, I want you to read that in context of the worship experience that we have. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. God is going to show up and he's going to say, empower me. Say, empower me. To deal with every oppressor in our life that impedes service to him. So here's what that's kind of saying in the active sense. This breaking of the chain that we just got through singing about, it's on you to use the bolt cutters to cut the chain. Breaking chains is not a passive break every chain. There's some proactivity in it where you got to go get, you got to go to San, what, what, what they sell bolt cutters, Home Depot? And depending on how long you've been in it, don't get you no little bitty pliers. Get you some big bolt cutters. Are you with me? And to get to our Canaan, there's some proactivity on our part. God has the power to empower us, but we must work with him. Are you with me? Yeah, don't, don't, don't find yourself in her home praying, God, take me out of this house. No, get up and leave. <laughs> Are you with me? Come on, y'all. Yeah, don't, don't find yourself in the liquor store talking about God deliver me from buying some Jim Bean. Is that what it is? I don't even know. Just get in your car and leave. Are you with me? The Spirit of God has already empowered you to break the chain, but you got to use the bolt cutters. And a lot of us have been waiting passively for God to come down and break the chain. And he's empowered you with the strength to go like that, to cut it. And so it takes some proactivity on our part. So he empowers us to deal with every oppressor in our life 
that impedes our service time. Here's what we said last week. Go to the first slide. And the next one, and this is based on judges, is that you must see yourself as being distinct from the group of people amongst whom you live so you can know that God is with you. So here's how that came out last week. When God shows up he, and he says you, it is a singular you, not a plural you. Does that make sense, guys? Is that he's speaking to me, and I am part of the body, so he's speaking to each and every one of us individually. We must deal with our stuff so that God can get to us. So come on, say me. Say it again, say me. Go to the next one real quick. Um, here's the next one. Because he's with you, he sees you in your created destiny, not based on your current circumstances. Let me, this is important. What you're doing right now has no bearing on the truth that he's still calling you. Because <laughs> here's what we do. God can't use me or God is not calling me because I'm in the middle of my craziness. I'm in the middle of my sin. I'm in the middle of my circumstance. But I want you all to hear me. Um, we got to see ourselves. God sees us on our created destiny, not based on the current circumstance. I, I'm going to try the best way I can to say this. And maybe I'll say it now so I don't forget to say it later. Gideon, at the time of his call, was not a follower of God. You guys all right with me? Because for a long time when we study the story of Gideon, we just naturally assume here's a man of God. I've got to say it the urban way, man of God, you know, <laughs> that God's calling. He had no relationship with God at the time of his call. Yet and still, here's what God said, mighty man of valor. You guys okay with me? All right? So who you are right now might not be who God wants you to be. Go to the next one. I'm just summarizing so I can get to where I need to go. Number three. Okay. The reason we can't see God being with us is our knowledge of God is based on someone else's experience, not our own. Okay. So today, um, I'm going to show you what you need to do to start to know God for yourself. Well, we started that last week. And I think some of you guys missed it, so I'll say it again. This is where you'll start getting mad with me. Go to the next one real quick. Get your own experience, okay? Four, God being with you is never based on what you have, but it's all about what he can do. This is where we start to transition, okay? Because um, he don't need what I have in the first place. He can make his own, <laughs> okay? Now, this is the transition real quick. Right here, next one. So here's the next one. To check the authenticity of the presence of God in your life, check the status of your offering. Have you returned yet? I need at least two people to say amen so I can know you're looking. Okay. Let me begin here. Uh, leave that up there just for two seconds. Um, I'm going to start saying some harsh things, but know that I love you. Please hear the spirit, okay? Hear the spirit that I'm saying. You can sing all the songs you want. You can pray as much as you want. You can worship as much as you want. If you haven't returned with the offering, quit lying about the fact that God is truly with you. I'm going to explain. I'm going to explain. I'm going to explain. His presence is there, yes. Don't get me wrong. But the thing that is keeping your offering is more important to you than God. 
I love y'all. I'm going to keep saying that over and over again because I feel bad and heavy about this message that I have to preach. Uh, just going to say it like that. Uh, it's very, very heavy on me because this is a very, very important statement. Um, last week, here's what I did, and the majority of you missed it. At the end of the, um, the sermon, I said to every person in here, and I positioned the ushers that we're going to receive the offering up front at the end of the message, and I said, return, okay? Um, and, and I said, bring something and give it to God. And a lot of you came to me and said, why didn't we open the altar to come worship God? We should have done that as opposed to collecting the offering. And my response was, the offering at that time was more important than your worship. <laughs> because you were communicating to the other gods of your life. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Who was really first? So here's how I put it in the context of the message last week, that our problem is we tell the angel, wait here. This is in Judges. I keep saying angel, the messenger of God, to wait here. We're going to go get something. And Pastor Tony just talk about that. But we never come back, right? And so symbolically last week, I try to give us an opportunity to come back. Um, let me say this. And, and a lot of you came back. A lot of you came back. Here's a praise report. This church is 16 years old. In the 16 years that this church has been in existence, the largest offering we might have collected as a sign of people being committed to God, I'll put it that way, might have been $15,000, $16,000 on a week, okay? Last week's offering was over $30,000. You see what I'm saying? Return. Now here's Matthew 6, 33, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and what's going to happen? All, yeah, you kind of get it, okay? The importance of returning. If, if, and I'll talk about this in a little while. If there's a bail in your life, and you all have to give me a little bit of time to work this, then God will never be first in our life. He's calling an unsaved, well, I don't want to say an unsaved person, a person that don't have a relationship with him, and he begins the relationship by challenging the thing that the person is worshiping. Go to the first point of today's message. This is our review. Okay, go to the first point. Next one. Just keep going. Just keep going. It's there. Okay. Now, before I read this, um, Gideon came back and Gideon offered his offering to God. And remember, the offering was Gideon's way of testing that the person really was a messenger of God. Y'all remember that, right? So all Gideon did at the time of, of where we left off yesterday was verify the veracity or the truthfulness of the fact that he had indeed encountered the messenger of God when he brought the offering. The messenger put the tip of his staff on the offering and fire emerged from the rock and consumed the offering. And here's what Gideon says, man, that was God. That was God. And then he built an altar there and he says, man, I have really encountered God. Now watch this. So now it's God's turn to test Gideon. It's God's turn to test me, and it's God's turn to test you. So listen to how he says it. Y'all bear with me. Bear with me. Once you have the assurance that God is with you, 
God will test you to prove he is first in your life by challenging you to eliminate everything that sets itself up as God in your life. Okay. Y'all do me a favor. Just say, okay, say, we'll sit through it. Just say, we'll sit through it. <laughs> just say, come on one more time. Say, we'll sit through it. This is hard. This is hard. But just sit through it and do what you got to do afterwards, okay? Let's read. Go to, Judges, go to Judges chapter 6, verse 25. Okay. Say amen if you're there. Listen to this. That night, the Lord said to him, being Gideon, take your father's bull and the second bull seven years old and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the Asherah that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on the top of the stronghold there with stones laid in due order and then take the second bull and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah that you shall cut down. Verse 27. So Gideon took 10 men of his servants and did as the Lord had told him. This is funny. But because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. That's funny. Now, context, and I'm just going to say this, and then I might come back here next week. I probably won't finish the series in four weeks. I wanted to, because I wanted to say the leader. Gideon now has just got through verifying that God is God. So here's what God says. Okay, now that you know that I am who I said I am, I want to know where I exist in your life. Let me give you a little bit of context. Understand with me that at this time in the text, based on Judges 1 all the way to chapter 6, the Israelites were continually doing evil in the sight of the Lord. Okay? They would inhabit a land, they would have, inhabit a place, and where God would say to them to get rid of everything that was in the land so that it doesn't compete with space for me in your life, kill it so that when you go in, you don't end up following the thing. The Israelites disobeyed God. They go in there. They didn't get rid of the Midianites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites, and in time, they end up worshiping him. Now, here's what I want y'all to understand. Come on, say, these were God people. One more time. Say, these were God's people. That's a very, very, very important statement for you not to miss. These were not pagan people, okay? These were not people that didn't know who God was. These were God's people. Let me add to the statement, his chosen people, okay? But they were so far gone that Baal worship had become commonplace in their life. Now, let me read into the text, okay, at the risk of isogeting the text because the text doesn't say this. It almost sounds like Gideon's daddy was the pastor at the time. I'm reading into the text. I wanted to say that so nobody go out here and say, my, my pastor said. No, said, my pastor read into the text, okay? Because here's how the instruction comes, okay? Gideon, it seems now that you have been so far gone from me, and I just showed myself to you, and I'm not calling you, I'm calling you. Here's what I need you to go to do. I need you to go to the church where your father pastors, where everybody comes every day to worship Baal, and I want you to take the money that they had set aside 
to offer to Baal, and I want you to burn it down. And then, not only do I want you to burn it down, but the place where they burnt it down, I want you to use the money that you took, and on top of that very spot, I want you to build me an altar right there with the stuff that I gave you. And matter of fact, that Asherah pole that they use, use that to light the fire. It seems from the text that everybody would go to Gideon's daddy's house to worship. So it just seems to me that Gideon's daddy was the pastor of the church, if I could use that metaphor. Are you guys with me? So go into your daddy's church and jack it up. <laughs> because I want my people to stop following the bales. Come on, track with me. Are you with me? So. I want you to go to the heart of the very thing that is taking you away from me. And then I want you to tear it down and in that same place, build me an altar. Now, the funny part is the rest of the text says, Gideon was so afraid of the members of the church He waited till church let out. <laughs> when everybody was at BJ's eating lunch <laughs> and they had gone to sleep, it says he got 10 of his best men and he went at night and he tore that stuff down. Repeat after me. Say, it doesn't matter when you do it. And it doesn't matter who sees you do it. Just do it. Okay, one more time, one more time. It doesn't matter when you do it. It doesn't matter who sees you do it. Just do it. Let me give you guys some practical application. I, I, I'm going to stay simple real quick. It's as if God is saying to Gideon, you know that new car you just bought that is stopping you from paying your tithe? I want you to take it back to the dealer and the money that you were paying on the car that you took from me, I want you to give it back to me. <laughs> because you tell me that you can't worship me, you can't return because you encountered the car made by Baal. And so the car has priority, but you got nerve to come tell me you love me. And you've got nerve to pray to me. And you've got nerve to sing to me. But then the other bell that didn't give you a job, that didn't give you the breath that you're breathing, that didn't give you the activities of the limbs, you don't sing songs to him you don't praise him, but you've got nerve to give him my stuff. And then come and expect me to be pleased with your worship. So here's what I need you to do. Take that car. Take it back to the dealer. And by the way, and, 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 but God, what is I'm going to do? <laughs> 
And here's God. Doesn't matter when you do it. Doesn't matter who sees you do it. <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> Get what I'm saying? Oh, here's another one. Moved from a nice house that you can afford, that everything was well, and you moved into this exotic 20-bedroom home that you can't afford to pay. And now it comes time for worship. And you can't return because the house owned by Baal has your worship. You know what I'm saying? And so we come, same thing, yeah, I get it. And God is saying, you know what? Take the house you bought, scale down, live a happier life than trying to impress people about what you have. <laughs> Y'all not hear me. And you can't even live life comfortably. So once again, it doesn't matter when you do it. It doesn't matter who sees you do it. Just do it. It's the only way I could apply this text. You kind of get what I'm saying? Um, because a lot of us are in some financial constraints. And then, and then here, here's the part. Now, here's the part. Here's the part where, where I said takes proactivity in your part. Lord, you got to bless me with finances so I can make this house payment. Break the chains of financial poverty, Lord. Break the chains of brokenness because I'm tired of being broke. Lord, you got to do something about this. Break it, God. Break it, Break it, Lord. And God is sitting up in heaven. Go to your father's house and take the altar that you have constructed and your place of worship. Tear it down. And then take the money that you were going to offer Baal. Bring it to me. Watch what I'm going to do. Because then you have just proved to me that I really am first in your life. You guys are looking at me like, what in heaven's name? Does this make sense, guys? Okay, now, let me go here. Gideon is not a 40-year-old Christian. He hadn't been saved for 50 years. Matter of fact, this is me reading into the text again. I doubt if it's been a week since he just met God. <laughs> right? Up until then, all he knew was Baal worship. But he had an encounter with God. God revealed himself to him. And God said, okay, if you want to get in a position with me, then listen to this. Here's what I need you to do. So church, for us to mature to the place where God is number one in our lives, I think God calls us to return in some shape, form, or fashion by making sacrifices for him. Y'all all right? Let me say my second thing, and I'm going to let y'all go, because you're like, Lord Jesus. <laughs> it's the toughest thing for a preacher to do, man, is talk about this kind of stuff. Go to the next point. Back up again. Back up. Can you back up without messing that up? Number one, just hit. If you can't, don't worry about it. Let's read this. Oh, they did. Okay. Once you have the assurance that God is with you, he's going to test you to prove he is. What's that word? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is free. Don't forget, 
Cain and Abel brought offerings to God. You guys are with me, right? Now, this is the important part that I want you not to miss. When they got to the altar, they both sang songs. Right? When they got to the altar, they both raised their hands in worship. If I can be charismatic for a moment. When they got to the altar, they both spoke in tongues. When they got to the altar, are you with me? They both named the name of God and told him how much they loved him. At the altar. The only thing that differentiated the two of them at the altar was the offering. It's the only thing that set them apart. And here's how the author of Genesis says it. God looked with favor on Abel's offering. But on Cain's offering, he looked with disfavor. And then y'all know the rest of the story. Second point, let's get out of here. When walking in obedience to the end to God, here's important. The enemy can do nothing to retaliate against you because walking in obedience is not about what you did, but what God did through you. Read that one more time. When walking in obedience to God, the enemy can do nothing to retaliate against you because walking in obedience is not about what you did, but what God did where? Let's read this and then let's pray. Verse 28. When the men of the town rose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was broken down and the Asherah beside it was cut down. And the second bull was offered on the altar that had been built. And they said to one another, who has done this thing? And they called a business meeting. I'm paraphrasing. And they called the church meeting. They called the deacons and the elders, choir members, the ushers, children's ministry pastor. And then they said, it's the preacher's kid. <laughs> Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Look at verse 30. Then the men of the town said to Joash, Bring out your son that he may die. For he has broken down the altar of Baal and cut the Asherah beside it. Now, just like any good preacher or any good mama, they don't care how much their kids sin, they're just going to protect them anyway, right? So here's verse 31. But Joash said to all who stood against him, will you contend for Baal? Gosh, that word contend, I wish I had time to deal with it. I'm, I'm going to stick to my word and deal with it later. I'm a little over. Will you contend for Baal or will you save him? Whoever contends for him shall be put to death by this morning. And watch this. If he is a god, Ah, let him contend for himself, okay? Because, and it says, let him, because his altar has been broken down. Therefore, on that day, here's a series titled, Gideon was called Jeroboam, that is to say, let Baal contend against him because he has broken down his altar. Verse 31, 
But Joah said to all who stood against him, will you contend for Baal? Let me, let me, let me say this this way and then I'm going to get out of here. When walking in obedience to God, the enemy can do nothing to retaliate against you because walking in obedience is not about what you did, but what God did where? Let me, let me say this. This joker gets up, he destroys the temple, he destroys the church, and, 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 and here's what's important for you to miss. The people who were trying to get even with Gideon, these are not unchurched, unsaved people. These are God's chosen people. That's the trip in the text. It's the Israelites. And they want to kill him because he obeyed God. His daddy had sense enough to recognize, you know what? My boy is obeying God. And he probably said to himself, shame on me because I should have done the same thing. And God probably used the obedience of Gideon to bring light to his daddy because here's what daddy says. Duh, why are we worshiping this dumb thing in the first place if that thing really is a God? If it really is a God, tell you what, let it fight for itself and let it deal with Gideon. <laughs> because God's got Gideon. Does anybody in here know that when you obey God, God's got you? Come on, don't, come on, y'all, come on. You, you, you must know this. You must know this because I don't know that we know that truthfully enough. Let me give you my personal testimony, and I'm sure there's testimonies in here. There used to be a time in my life when I walked, worked in the corporate world doing engineering stuff for IBM and Sun Microsystems and made gobs and gobs and gobs and gobs of money, but I was never a tither. I was an offeringer. Y'all know what that is, right? I lived like Cain. I brought something, but it wasn't my best. Katani would tell you, I stayed broke. And my only comfort in staying broke is I know next week was coming. And I know the check that I'm going to make next week, I'm going to be all right. You kind of get what I'm saying? But here I was making all this money, couldn't save, couldn't do nothing because God was not first in my life. You buy expensive stuff, you buy fancy stuff, and you need the money to pay the stuff. But here I am standing before the people of God. Matter of fact, I was the Joash of the time. I, I, let me just go ahead and deal with me for a moment. Are you with me? Telling the people of God what they need to do, but I, what I was not willing to do myself. Let me just be honest while I'm on this point real quick. Are you with me? Stayed broke, couldn't get my life together, marriage jacked up. Y'all not hearing me. I'm talking on the brink of divorce, just completely messed up. But oh, one day the messenger of God showed up. Y'all not hearing me. The messenger of God showed up and said, I need you to stop worshiping Baal just for a moment because you're saying I'm first in your life, yet Though your actions is not showing that I'm first. Listen, y'all, I went through a transformation. Wait right here. Got the wife, got the kids. I got everything. Here. And God took his rod, touched that booger. And then he said, he said, he said, fire went up. We start to get our act together. 
And then check this out. Then he says, okay, now I need you to take Baal, cut down the altar, burn it up so I can know that I'm first in your life. You ain't talking about IBM, right? You, 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 you know, I, come on, God, I'll just start tithing. He says, no, kill Baal. Because my corporate life had become my Baal. Never forget the day I go into my manager's office. Her name was Trudy Acosta. Never forget that as long as I live. Hey, Trudy, I'm out. Dang, Felix, what you gonna do, man? You're one of my best engineers. Gotta go, man. What you gonna do? I'm gonna preach. How you gonna eat? I don't know. <laughs> These are, I did the same thing at Sun Microsystems, didn't I? You were there with me. You were, that's why she's here right now. She's that crazy preacher. I guess I'm gonna go with him. Yeah. <laughs> and I walked out, and let me say, y'all, hear me carefully, people. I have been young and I've been old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Now I am more financially stable than I ever was. Y'all not hearing me. Yeah, with God being first in my life. Some of you in here, I'm not telling y'all to go home and quit your jobs. Please hear me carefully. <laughs> Don't do that. Talk about the preacher said. No. But I'm guaranteeing you, there are things in your life that you have set up as bail that you can't afford. And here's the test that you can't afford it. If you are not tithing faithfully to God, you got a bail in your house. And God is saying, go to your daddy's church. <laughs> Cut that joker down. And the same place where it was, erect the right type of altar and start to worship me there. Don't pray, let me apply it this way, then I'm going to stop, promise. Don't pray for God to bless you with a good woman while you're shacking up. Kill the bale first. Don't kill her. Come on, don't, don't. Don't kill her. Don't kill her, okay. What I mean is, get out first, obey God. Are you with me? Because I know somebody saying, what is I'm supposed to do? Just get out, just get out, just, just get out. Because it's, it's, it's what, your obedience is not about what you did, but it's about what God will do through you. One author says, obedience is better than sacrifice and to hearken to the fat of rams. In obeying God, he blesses. He moves, he provides, he cares for. My prayer for this ministry is that we all grow to a place where we walk in such obedience. Yes. 
that it's not about the financial resources, it's not about all of that, but it's, it's, it's going to be amazing the way God is going to use us. I want you all to hear me. Come on. Walk in such obedience. But preacher, you just don't understand. He's helping me with my four kids, and he's helping me pay the bills. He's a bail. I told y'all this was difficult, and I told you you're not going to like me. <sighs> he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches.